Seven out of ten adults in counties Manukau are either overweight or obese. One in four Pacifica people and one in six Māori in the region have a body mass index, or a BMI, of more than 35. Research from Auckland University shows excess weight in Aotearoa costs more than $2 billion in direct costs every year. Te Whatu Health New Zealand is launching a first-of-its-kind programme to try and support South Aucklanders who are overweight or obese to lose weight. As part of the 12-week programme, people who are ineligible for bariatric surgery will get wraparound support from a range of experts as they undertake a meal replacement programme. Te Manaki Tua is based on a programme in the UK which helped people into T2 diabetes remission without needing bariatric surgery. I spoke to the programme director, endocrinologist Dr Rinky Murphy and service manager Dr Brian Yao. Counties Monaco has 108,000 people who have a BMI over 35. So that is more than twice the high BMI population of the next highest region in New Zealand. Why is that? Yeah, so there's quite a few um, factors at play. There are um, the ready availability of highly processed, highly palatable and calorically dense foods. There's a concentration of those food outlets in counties more than anywhere else in the country. There's also mechanisation and automation that affect um, all of us um, everywhere. That means that there's less opportunity for physical activity. You know, some of those socioeconomic factors, the, the cost of living, the you know supermarkets, groceries, the price of getting fresh fruit and vegetables versus you know quick and easy takeout. People are often working long hours to you know put put bread on the table, and all of that factors into it. You know our bodies are um, uh, um, better at or more permissive for weight gain in any given environment, and they're relatively tight on um, or very strongly defending weight loss. So in any given environment, people have a different tendency to gain weight. And so it's not a level playing field. And we sometimes fail to appreciate that when we look at um, people and, uh, and think of what is actually at play and whether we put it down to willpower when actually, you know, that's what bodies do. Is there a genetic component to this? There certainly is. There are genes that predispose to increased body weight, um, both height and weight, and, uh, and that can determine how hungry or full you feel after a meal. So, tell us, how will Te Manakitua actually work? So, what we're wanting for this service is to offer something that is intensive, and we're wanting people who are ready to uh, ex accept meal replacements for a period of 12 weeks. It's an isolating journey to be on meal replacements that are specially formulated with uh, safety and effectiveness. Um, and do that for a period where we get wraparound support around behaviour change, habit formation, things that a value-based system around what people can and can't change or wish to change, such that their transition onto regular food is, um, follows that, um, is very different to the diet that people were previously on. And it's quite motivating to have that 12 weeks where people are losing weight and significant amounts of weight, uh, so that then the work on maintaining that weight loss can begin. And that's all the wraparound in our multidisciplinary team around health psychology, around dietitians, um, uh, and, and really trying to make sure that that transition, we're setting up people to succeed. We want to take the overseas best evidence with, with you know, international literature, kiwify it in an in a Aotearoa New Zealand setting, 
see what works from a patient experience point of view, from a socioeconomic point of view, from the, the science and the clinical, and really co-design it with you know, our, our people and, and partners with mana whenua, with various stakeholder groups, and then improve the program, as, as Rinki has said, in a, in a you know, iterative cycle, and, and then grow it from there with, with integration, with primary, with community care, and, and kind of leading into a joined up pathway. Obviously in the maintenance phase, when it is hard for some people, we would like to offer medication support as well because that is also another really useful way of maintaining weight. And tell me a little bit more about the results from the UK programme on which this is based. There's two sets of data that's really informed our approach. One is the very low calorie diet meal replacement approach and this was um, taken from the direct study that was published um, about in 2018, um, about six years ago and it uh, demonstrated for the first time that people could actually lose weight and most importantly uh, maintain weight loss and uh, remission of type 2 diabetes. So prior to the study we thought that basically only bariatric surgery could achieve remission of type 2 diabetes and maintain significant amounts of weight loss. Um, but as a result of the study, we know that providing people with meal replacements for a period of time where um, people also get wraparound support means that people can lose significant amounts of weight and with assistance and support can help, can maintain that. So transition onto an exit diet that's very different to people's entry diet and physical activity that's in increased. So essentially you have three broad components. Meal replacements, you have the option of using medication, but you also have wraparound services. And this is the critical element, isn't it? Whereby you offer um, psychotherapy services, you offer um, dietitians, you offer support groups, you offer health coaches, you, you offer a whole, a whole variety of services that support the person as they go through the program. I think we're starting with a, a co-designed process, which is absolutely the philosophy behind Te Whatu Ora and Te Paitata. You know, it's, it's about equity at its heart. So we're, we're starting with the, the person, the, the patient, the family, the, the whānau unit, because there's a lot of environmental supports. And, and we're building this multidisciplinary team around them to because we understand everyone's different. Everyone's needs in the community might be different, and there is no one-size-fits-all approach, because it's not just about you know, the genetics or the disease or the medications, but it's all of it together. You know, the, the people, the whānau, the supports, the community, all supported by a, a multidisciplinary team with the various tools we've talked about with the, you know, the liquid diet, the health coaching. It is about empathy, ultimately, and we have to co-design our entire service around that. You know, the, the mental game, the psychosocial, the spiritual journey, that, that's what this is all about, and it's empowering our people, ultimately. I want to ask you about the recent hype over semi-glutide drugs. So for people who haven't heard of them, uh, the best known ones are Ozempic and Wegovy, and they're injectable drugs that have been shown to have a dramatic impact on T2 diabetes by stimulating the pancreas and giving the user feelings of fullness or satiety. In the US, celebrities have been using these drugs for weight loss with quite dramatic results. There's actually a shortage of the drugs at the moment. But Rinky, what do you make of semiglutides? Yeah, so coming back to the biology of weight gain and weight regulation, um, the semiglutide comes from a class of agents called GLP-1 receptor agonists. Um, GLP-1 is that hormone that is released by our gut that helps us feel full, it slows down our stomach emptying, and, um, and it also promotes the release of insulin when glucose is high. So, and we use, to be clear, we do use some GLP-1s 
in New Zealand at the moment. So uh, these semi-glutides are cousins, if you like, of medications that are available in some circumstances in New Zealand. Very much. So um, that's why they actually started out as an agent to treat type 2 diabetes, because it promotes that insulin secretion and regulates blood glucose very effectively. And what's come out of those studies is that weight loss is a very desired um, effect as well as the glucose control and hence many of the GLP-1 receptor agonists that had the FDA approval for type 2 diabetes went on to be tested just for their weight loss benefit. So semaglutide is um, one of the molecules that mimics GLP-1 that we make anyway um, and it's been shown to have significantly high um, effects and 15% body weight loss is the mean in um, individuals who've taken this once weekly injectable, um, which is uh, truly huge. spectacular. Yeah. And so the GLP-1 receptor agonist that we have for type 2 diabetes um, has a, a ceiling of weight loss that's not as high. Are they worthy of the hype? I think they are. They, uh, they're actually heralding in a new generation of medications that are targeting the very hormones that are dysregulated in people who have obesity. So for the first time in our toolkit as endocrinologists who work with trying to supplement hormones when they're deficient, you know, we've got something to offer people. It's certainly not going to solve the obesity epidemic. So, you know, there is a multi-sectoral approach to um, reducing obesity with all those environmental, socioeconomic layers that we have to address, and that's not going to be the magic bullet, but it's certainly a very worthy um, component in our treatment of individuals who are suffering with obesity and its complications. How has being involved in this work affected the way you think about how society thinks about weight? Yeah, I think it's a, a really good opportunity to examine our own um, obesity bias um, and uh, exercise both self-compassion in terms of people who are living with obesity, but also uh, think about empathy as we would for people who have a diagnosis of cancer, for example. And that kind of empathy is simply not um, uh, as, uh, as readily available for people who are living with obesity. And it's reflected very much in the way we design our services and the way, you know, everything from um, furniture and, and support and um, funding for research uh, is also allocated. So I think we need to start having that conversation about how much do people um, feel as personal responsibility versus how much is actually uh, tipping into sort of disease and um, uh, unhealthy um, complications. Dr Rinky Murphy and Dr Brian Yao.